the third magpie. By M.S. Clements. Read by Hannah Timms. Episode 12. Tuesday, 19th of January. He's due back today. It's been a long six weeks. I can hardly wait. Funny how you can miss someone, even a DIA. Finn settled back into his regular routine of homework and Miss Fry. He loathed the thought of returning, but they simply could not afford for him to renege on his contract with the Commandant. His illness had been expensive not just in lost pay, but also the cost of Henry's visits. Added to that expense came the medical check. He didn't even want to think of the bribes paid by his father-in-law. He needed to recoup their lost savings. It was his fault, and tutoring Miss Fry was the solution. Undoubtedly, she would use the knowledge about his daughter to her advantage. Stay calm, get on with the lesson, ignore the games, the past has happened, and he was powerless to change it. He walked up the stairs to her sitting room unaccompanied. Mr. Yohan was nowhere to be seen. Had he gone home repatriated? Or was he one of the victims, another corpse to be removed? Finn faced the double doors of her sitting room, contemplating the joy of Mr. Yohan's escape. He took a deep breath to banish the thought, then wrapped his knuckles against the wood. Five, six, eight, two, one, six, I missed you! Cat hurried to the door as he entered her sitting room. She wrapped her arms around him, trapping him in her hug, and then took a step back, holding onto his arms, to manoeuvre him this way and that, inspecting every aspect of his physical being. He did not flinch, nor try to stop her. He was too tired for that. You're so thin, I can almost feel your ribs through your shirt. I shall have to ask for extra cake, fatten you up. (laughs) She laughed at her own comment. Finn merely acknowledged her with a slight nod. He just wanted to get on with the lesson, but Catherine would not let him go. I'm so glad you're back. How will I pass my exam without you? I'm sorry you were inconvenienced. He turned towards the table, his cheeks flushed. We'll need to concentrate if we are to catch up on the missed weeks. If he emphasised the need for hard work, maybe she would stay on topic and they might avoid Lolita. Did you finish reading Emma? We ought to end that topic so we can move on to sense and sensibility. I have. She was still holding his arm. Have you noticed how often a heroine marries an older, wiser man in Jane's novels? Perhaps she's trying to say something. Certainly true in Emma. Mr Knightley is the voice of reason against Emma's meddling. Releasing him, Cat followed Finn to the table, took her seat and stretched out to touch his hand. And are you my Mr Knightley? He had not expected the change in direction, and finding himself floundering, it took him a moment or two to think of a safe response. Mr Knightley was a wealthy bachelor. I am a married DIA. I am not Mr Knightley. You're wrong. You are whatever I say you are, 568216. 
How could he contradict her? He was her creature, kept on a short leash. If he pulled away, she would yank him back until he acquiesced to her whims. Johan was the lucky one. He had escaped the leash. Do you know 568216? I actually prayed for you. Isn't that funny? I'd ignore those interminable sermons, shutting my eyes to think of you. Finn pulled his hand away. We should move on to sense and sensibility. Time is short. He opened the book, ready to start the masquerade of a tutor session. Is that it? Aren't you going to thank me? She leant towards Finn, adding in a low voice, tinged with a hint of anger. I prostituted my honour to pray for you. I expect your gratitude. Finn murmured his thanks while his soul lay crushed beneath her words. I want you to read to me, she declared, leaving the table to sprawl across the sofa. He turned to the opening chapter and began reading. Obedience, the sole requirement from his young mistress. I can hear your accent. You hide it well most of the time, but when you're nervous it comes out more strongly. Are you nervous? Do I scare you? Finn stopped, took another deep breath and continued reading, his slight accent evident in every word. Did your wife give you elocution lessons? Were you trying to hide your identity? I can't imagine being her parents. The shock, the disgrace. Were the lessons to soften their horror? If he sounds normal, then they could pretend he is normal. You're not, though, are you? You can never be normal. He stopped reading again, but his eyes remained fixed on the page. The letters were replaced with images of his past. When he resumed, his accent was crystal clear. Sophie. Exhaustion ruled both of their lives, Finn from nights of insomnia, and when he did sleep, nightmares. Sophie had her nights disturbed by Finn tossing and turning, trying to find the sleep that eluded him. Escaping into the grey light of pre-dawn, he'd leave her alone in their bed, cuddling a pillow instead of a husband. Some nights she was too shattered to care. Other nights, riddled with panic, she'd follow him downstairs, finding him cocooned in blankets on the steamer chair outside, his outline visible beneath the bare arms of the apple trees arching over him. Another nightmare? she'd asked. He nodded and opened up the blanket, welcoming her onto the chair with him. It was as close as they'd been in months. They cuddled in silence, waiting for the robin's song. He obliged, perched on the branch, serenading his friendly gardeners. I should sleep in the guest room until I feel better at least. You look so tired, it's my fault, Finn said, snuggling his wife into him. Sophie tried to remain calm, dismissing his decision. Don't be ridiculous, it's not your fault, you've been ill, very ill. I nearly lost you. No, I don't want you sleeping away from me. I want to hold you, cherish you, love you. No, it is for the best. I'll sleep in the guest room. It'll only be temporary. 
Her blank eyes examine the world beyond the window, crocuses that once would prick her senses, gently rousing her from winter hibernation, had become no more than corrupted dots and dashes. The code made no sense. Rebirth had been hijacked. It was the missing smile. It was a hand feeling his ribs on the rare occasions he actually allowed her to come close. They existed in the realm of unspoken words and closed doors, living out each day distracted by the concerns of everyday life. Within the formaldehyde atmosphere of the bridge tea room, she closed her eyes, praying that the man she married might one day return to her. So much to do, so little time. Michelle took her seat next to Sophie at the little table, five large bags deposited into the space between them. What's the event? Sophie moved the bags out of the way of the passing waitress. Your father's birthday, of course. It's just five months away. I want to hold a gathering at the house, get all the right people there. You know, like we used to when you were younger. Sophie had forgotten about her father's 70th, her mood darkening with thoughts of the coming months, interrupted with her mother's complaints. She had no interest in any party. Well, at least pretend to listen. He is your father, after all. Sorry, Mum. Mine's elsewhere. Sophie lied. I'm due to go on a course in April. I, I was just thinking about that. More work, and you already look so tired. It's not a course you should be going on, but a holiday. When was the last time you had a break of any sort? Michelle picked up the menu, delighting at the return of coffee caramel fancies. Oh, goody! I can't remember the last time these were on the menu. Yes, a holiday would do you good. Tell Henry you need time off. Daddy can insist if you like. No, Mum, it's immoral. I can't leave at the drop of a hat to swan off to the beach just because my father is something in the government. Well, you shouldn't be working. Not someone like you. He's making you old before your time. A skivvy running after him. I'm not sure which of the two of you looked worse at Christmas. Sophie was too tired to keep her temper, even in the bridge tea room. If you're going to have a go at Finn, I'll leave right now. I just need to know if I can stay at yours during the course or if I need to book a room at the centre. Michelle waved her gloved hand acknowledging her defeat. Finn was off limits. Is the course at Court Farm? Sophie gave the details while her mother wrote them down in a diary. The authorities held the past as an ideal, or more accurately, elements of the past that suited the current agenda. They all possessed mobiles, but Albion ladies preferred pen and paper for communication. Traditions hand-picked to mirror the government's preferred story, and their patriots followed it with religious zeal. That particular custom held an unintended attraction for ladies who wished to avoid digital snooping, that of paper burning so easily. They're weekdays, aren't they? It's not a problem. Your room is always ready. But won't Finn be working? It's just after the Easter break. Sophie was baffled, assuming it was her lack of sleep that made things confusing. Of course he'll be working. He tutors on those nights and there's no way he'd be going anywhere else. Rumour has it that the new commandant has a fiery temper and Finn isn't the sort to risk annoyance. I merely wondered who'd be looking after him if you're at home with us. Is he allowed to be left alone? You know, what with all the new rules. Oh, oh Mum, he's 40 and perfectly capable of looking after himself, she replied after regaining her composure. 
Quite frankly, he's the better cook, so he'll possibly eat something while I'm away. Her laughter belied the fact that she was concerned and had toyed with the idea of asking George to pop in after work, have a glass of wine, play chess, anything to reassure her that her husband was at home, alive and well. Funny to think of him as the commandant. Sophie's mother pulled off her gloves, flattening them neatly on the table before laying the salmon pink napkin on her lap. Once Michelle's little theatrics were complete, Sophie asked her mother the question she was expecting. Who? Finn? No, silly! Commandant Fry! You met him! He was Captain Fry back then, don't you remember? No, not at all. Oh, you must do! He was seconded to your father's office for six months. He came to the house quite often. Officers came to the house all the time. How am I supposed to remember one random captain? Michelle smirked, responding in a low and suggestive voice. Well, I'm sure he remembers you. Bit of a high flyer, according to Daddy. Definitely ambitious. I better end up in the government before long. I remember him chatting to you at one of Daddy's summer parties. You were such a jolly teenager back then. All those eligible men lining up to talk to you. That's not how I remember the parties. I remember dull people talking politics and trying to figure out how to climb the greasy pole to the top of the pile. Daddy did well out of those parties. Michelle ignored her daughter's barbed comments. Well, Captain Fry spoke highly of you, to the point of asking Daddy if he might court you. Caught me! Sophie snorted her tea out with the words. What century is that man from? Nobody courted back then, and if he wanted to court me, then presumably I should have been the one asked. It would have been my decision, after all. She'd learnt long ago to read her mother's mind, and the uncomfortable silence spoke of the disappointment she had become. Sophie, their difficult daughter, stubborn and argumentative, and Michelle, the mother berating herself for lack of discipline, unable to compete with the indulgent father. She was their rebel their independent streak, their only child who opted for the daily danger of being a DIA's wife in preference to the Albion alternative. Michelle ate one of the tiny cakes laid before her. Then just as she was about to continue sipping, replaced the cup onto the saucer. You know, Sophia, some parents were already arranging marriages, even at that time. Look at your Auntie Emma's boy, Jack. That marriage was arranged, and it has been a success. In New Albany, all marriages are a success, Mum. Even when they're not. Given they have six sons, we can assume they are contented, replied Michelle. That assumes she consents each time. Don't be ridiculous, Sophie. I won't even entertain that monstrous idea. Why not? It's not illegal. Even says so in the marriage contract that we must obey our husband's will and honour his name through the procreation of sons. Michelle's cheeks flushed, murmuring into her cup. Well, if that's what the law says, then who are we to disobey? You didn't have any sons, though, did you, Mother? Spitefulness came easily to Sophie when sleep-deprived. You were a difficult pregnancy, you know that. I couldn't have any more after you. A pause broke the burgeoning row. Sophie's stomach churned as she replayed her last comment. 
Her mother had always refused to discuss her pregnancy, ending every attempt with the same line. The heat of anxiety filled her. Would she be like her mother too? That rising guilt was swatted away with her mother's determination to excuse New Albany's beliefs. Jack is a decent man. He would never stoop that low. Unlike those Immies, I can only imagine what they'd do if they don't get their own way. Really? Sophie pondered the contents of her bag, her infamous pharmacy, pills to help the teenage bride relax on the honeymoon, even if that meant she lacked any recollection afterwards. Sometimes it was the young and not-so-young bridegroom requesting some extra help to ensure there would be no doubt about their virility. Pills freely available to patriots only, providing a means for consensual intercourse, even when that consent was a chemical lie. Michelle would not be swayed. It is a proven fact mixed marriages fail all the time. They are all still failing. How many annul their vows? Or DIAs abandoning their families for repatriation? No, mixed marriages don't work. Finn is a sweet man, but your marriage will fail one day. It's inevitable. Guilt-driven heat intensified, scorching Sophie's conscience. Her hat band felt tight, restricting. She wanted to fling it off and push her hands through her hair. Was it really so bad to read those pamphlets in the surgery? She knew she loved him utterly and completely. There was nothing wrong reading up about the annulment process, given it was her job to advise others. It was her duty to find out about it, surely. Each thumping beat of her pulsating heart contradicted her apologetic logic. The only way to silence it would be to move on. So, tell me, Mum, what happened? Why aren't I hitched to the mighty Adonis Captain Fry? Oh, you know, Daddy being Daddy again. Her mother's body relaxed as she waved her hands about with the happy memories. You wanted to go away to nursing school and, of course, Daddy agreed. Oh, you did love dressing up as a doctor so much when you were a little girl. I can see you now scampering about the garden, wrapping my hand in ribbon bandages and insisting on taking Christopher's temperature. You were such a little poppet. It really did make me laugh when you played Dr Smith. Michelle picked up another miniature fancy and popped it into her mouth, closing her eyes to savour the rare treat. She swallowed and dabbed her lips. I suppose we were all a bit indulgent of your fantasies, but it was mostly Daddy. No one can compete for his affections quite like you. You had him wrapped round your little finger from the first moment he felt you kick me in the womb. Sophie waggled her little finger. I know. He obviously gave the captain his marching orders to protect me from death through boredom. Daddy wanted you to finish your studies, that's all. Daft, really. He knew once you had children you wouldn't be working. From what your father said, the captain was furious. Made all sorts of threats, baseless, of course. I believe he married some other girl just a few months later. Is he still married to her? Finn hasn't mentioned any Mrs Fry. No, she died in childbirth. Michelle touched Sophie's hand. Remarkably, despite his threats, he then asked for your hand again. His poor wife's body was still warm. But you married Finn by then, so that was that. Shame, he's extremely wealthy, according to Auntie Emma, and eligible. I married the man I loved. Sophie pulled her hand back from her mother. Life was far less complicated back then. No restrictions, no curfews, no internment agreement. 
If I could turn the clock back knowing what our lives had become, then I doubt I would have married him. Michelle grabbed her daughter's hand once more, her grip tighter, her voice rapid with excitement. You can still annul it. It's your right. I hear the guards are very efficient once papers have been signed. Sophie's reply echoed the blame she'd been harbouring for the past ten years. I wouldn't have married him, not because I don't love him, but precisely because I do. I love him. I love him very much. But I'm selfish. I keep him here. Imagine who he'd be now if he'd left at the end of his studies as he intended. He married me and is forced to slave away for New Albany. He's a prisoner, for goodness sake. I married him out of self-interest, and I regret it. Sophie felt the cold black of her mother's eyes boring into her, searching out the truth behind her confession. Is Finn unwell again? No, he's fully recovered, fighting fit. Just without the fight. Her mother's expression made Sophie stop. Michelle would not be sympathetic to Finn's depression. It would be another sign of his failure as a husband. I wasn't talking about his physical state. Is Finn unwell? Is he having another of his little episodes? Her parents had witnessed his bouts of anxiety, collaborating with their daughter by referring to their son-in-law as a shy soul. The scars on his wrist a testament to his lack of moral fibre, in her mother's opinion at least. Her father stayed silent and hid the truth. In all likelihood, it's mild depression following his illness, she answered. Lying had become second nature to Sophie. Use just enough truth to make the lie plausible. Henry says he was very lucky to survive. Many didn't. Maybe it's guilt, who knows. But he's getting better. He'll be fine in no time. He loves the spring. Don't worry, he'll be right as rain by the time we come to stay. Thank you for listening to this production of The Third Magpie. To support our work, please consider buying or gifting a digital copy of The Third Magpie from Amazon or post a review on Goodreads. Register at pageupbooks.co.uk to stay in touch with future projects. That's pageupbooks, P-G-U-P, like the key on your keyboard, pgupbooks.co.uk. Thank you.